0: Time to get going on another exciting edition of Midday on the Rural Radio Network. And exciting, of course, because we are into Day 5 of the Nebraska State Fair. And we have a whole crew lined up ready to go over there. I believe we've got a Shaylee. I believe we've got a Jesse. And, uh, gee, who knows what else? Who's taken over there?
1: Well, we do have Shaylee, and I am Jesse. We're here. Susan's out doing a couple interviews right now, but coming up for midday at the twelve-thirteen, Joe Gangwish will actually be with Barb climate she's with the Nebraska Soybean Board and so that's going to be our 12:13 for the newsmaker at 12:45 I am going to be with Ron Pavelka he's with the Nebraska Soybean Board I'm sure we're going to be talking about biodiesel quite a bit and some of the things that they're doing and then Shaley and I think maybe Susan might have the 117 but Shaley's going to say who that guest is going to be Coming up at 117 we've got Joseph McDermott he's the Nebraska State Fair kind of heads this whole thing up and so uh be interesting to talk to him about how he is feeling we're about halfway through the nebraska state fair on a tuesday and we've got that at 117 so a jam-packed day and it's two dollar tuesday at the nebraska state fair so a great crowd coming through today
0: all right. Sounds great, ladies. We'll uh, let you guys get to it, organize it all, and we'll be back to you there in uh, just a uh, GIF to get updated on everything that's going on. Gee, I can't even remember which... What did they say this is as far as the number this time around? Have you heard that?
2: I have not, but I am still stuck on the fact that you used the word GIF. You'll be back in just a GIF because regularly during my weathercast, I talk about you know how the how the temperature has gone up just a tick yeah, because that's the official term. So... Yes. I'm curious to know how much a GIF is. The official term in Missouri. In Missouri. Guess, or Missouri, yes. whichever you choose. Speaking of Missouri or Missouri, whichever you choose, the Royals are about to set a record for utility, for futility, I should say. <laughs> they have now tied an American lead record for scoreless... Innings at 43. That record was actually set back in 1913 by another Missouri team, oddly enough, the St. Louis Browns. Really? Yes. So the Royals with 43 scoreless innings are uh, about to set a record in futility. But it could be worse because right now the San Francisco Giants, who are obviously not in Missouri, are 40-and-a-half games out of first place in the NL West. So it could be worse. Well, there's
0: a couple of teams we don't need to worry about too much going into october
2: always trying to find the positive side of life because i've seen i've seen the movie and you always (laughs) have to find the bright side of life monty python lives Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. well exactly yes people
2: be singing that for the rest of the day
0: let's hope so and we've got bob brogan on business stocks are taking some small losses at midday financial and energy companies are slipping
3: at the same time industrial firms are rising Investors nervous about North Korea having launched a missile that flew over Japan. Gee, why would that cause nervousness? I don't understand that. Also, other things going on. U.S. home prices climbed higher in June. We're, of course, interested in that because everybody has to, well, not everybody, but most people need to live someplace. The that's,
0: even-handed, fair-minded Bob Rogan there. Yes. Nicely done. Thank you, Bob. And it's all coming up for you today on Midday. Ag right, Weather brought to you by Coolman Repair, and Paul Perkins is in here. I'll tell you what, looking at some of those images coming in from the Houston area are just harrowing.
3: Yeah, and 49.32 inches of rain now being reported in some sun below those wow. areas. That new continental record for rainfall, just unbelievable. Yeah, Texas rainfall, new continental record at 49.32 inches.
0: That's incredible. And,
3: yeah, yeah, it's just all these people needing to be rescued from their vehicles. I mean, yeah. can you think how scary that could be?
0: Uh, I, I can't even fathom that. Yeah. The other thing I can't fathom, and probably they can't either, is why didn't I leave? Yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and with water, it just goes everywhere and just makes a There's huge, nothing, huge mess. Yeah, nothing yeah. you
0: can do about that. So, yeah, it's going to be a huge, uh, a huge, huge cleanup. And uh, I was just mentioning that this is, you know, this is very reminiscent of New Orleans, except that it's—I think it's even a wider area and it's more expensive buildings and and uh, property.
3: Yeah, it's just water everywhere down there. It's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Probably All right, they've well, never seen it before, too. What do you have for us? Quite the opposite for us. Uh, just mainly dry, and we're looking at dry conditions for at least the next week, if not for the next 14 days. Today, once again, another sunny day. Light winds, our winds turning to the southeast today as high pressure slides off towards our east. We get on the backside of that high. A few isolated thunderstorms may pop up tonight in northeast Colorado and the southern Panhandle, right near a low-pressure drop. Otherwise, quiet weather will continue for much of our week as a strong ridge of high pressure keeps the conditions dry and fair. The exception coming up on Thursday night and early Friday. but. It's not a big exception here. A disturbance will track off the Rockies with a few thunderstorm chances to portions of west and north Nebraska. A cold front expected for Labor Day. The current forecast looks to be dry, but that could be updated for some scattered thunderstorms. Not looking at a big weather maker with that one either. In the long term, Nebraska, Kansas, and the nation's mid sections, we're going to be in between a strong ridge of high pressure to our west and a strong low-pressure drop to the east. We're going to be right in the middle. And what does that mean? West and central Nebraska and Kansas forecast to see temperatures near normal or seasonal Sunday through September 11th. September always a great, weather, a great weather month, and it looks like that will be the case for at least the first 11 days of September. The eastern third of Nebraska and Kansas look to be closer to cooler than normal, but not much cooler than normal. For precipitation, a high likelihood that Nebraska and Kansas will see below normal rainfall Sunday through the 11th. Weather factors driving the market decisions today include heavy rain continuing from Tropical Storm Harvey, mainly favorable conditions for the Midwest, good harvest conditions across the plains and Canadian prairies, and much cooler weather in the extended outlook. Tropical Storm Harvey should begin to drift northeast away from Houston, reach the Tennessee Valley as a weakening post-tropical disturbance by late in the week. Additional rainfall totals of 7 to 13 inches expected through midweek in eastern Texas isolated storm totals may reach 50 inches plus over the upper texas coast that does include houston and galveston the heavy rain will shift into the main growing areas of the delta in the next few days much of that region expected to see rainfall between three and eight inches that will be unfavorable for cotton a lot of their other crops like grain and soybeans out already hot mostly dry weather should prevail the next five days across the northern high plains and much of the west Generally cool conditions expected in the south, east, and lower midwest. Those cooler conditions favorable in the midwest for filling out the corn and soybeans. Colder weather in the 8 to 10 day period may lead to some frost under the right conditions, but it's not expected to freeze. The warm to hot and dry weather across the northern plains and Canadian prairies benefiting the harvest of a drought reduced spring wheat crop. Above normal temperatures for at least another 6 or 7 days will help to advance crop development before any cooler weather sets in. That colder weather next week in eastern areas of the Canadian prairies and Ontario, expected to be something that they're going to watch over the next few days, possibly a lot colder up to the north and maybe frost or freeze conditions in Canada.
0: All right, Paul, thank you. Ag Weather brought to you by Coleman Repair. And I've been staring at the TV screen the whole time you've been talking there. I want to say that you know if you ever get a flood warning uh, where it says don't attempt to cross uh, any flowing water, take it seriously yep.
3: you know one time i started driving it through some water when there was a bunch of rain fell in Kearney, mm-hmm. and it's like you don't realize it until yep. all of a sudden yeah there you go and of course it can do tons of damage to your vehicle that's not covered by your auto insurance yep.
0: and not to mention maybe you know well we don't even want to talk about the worst that could happen yep. but it can so don't even think about it exactly. when you need weather anytime KRMN.com.
4: From the Nebraska State Fair, I'm Joe Gangwish visiting with Barb Clement. She is the executive director of the Nebraska Sorghum Board. Barb, you've got some busy weekends lined up here at the fair. I caught you the other day doing some cooking behind the counter, so tell us what you've been up to.
5: Well, this first weekend here, we've been busy baking uh, our famous uh, sorghum. They're gluten-free chocolate chip cookies. And I mean to tell you, we were a baking machine back there in raising Nebraska. Uh, we We put out approximately six thousand cookies this weekend. and then in addition to that, we did our cooking demonstration at the presentation kitchen um, and um, presented and um, provided samples to the fairgoers goers um, on four different uh, sorghum recipes. Uh, utilizing the pearled or the whole grain sorghum. Uh, trying to teach, uh, the consumer, uh, how they can bring this wholesome, healthy sorghum grain to their table.
4: Wow, 6,000 cookies, and they were good, too, because I had a couple of them. <laughs>
5: yeah, that, that is, I mean to tell you, that is a lot of cookies, uh, and it has taken the uh, involvement and the participation and, and um, work from uh, everybody down the line to make it work, and, and I mean to tell you, they are good cookies. We'll be back at the fair on the next three-day weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Uh, and from ten till two, each day we will be serving our chocolate chip cookies. So we certainly invite uh, all of your listeners if they're going to the fair to stop by to see us. And then each of those days at eleven o'clock and then again at two o'clock, I will have cooking demonstrations. Again, working with uh, either making a recipe with the sorghum flour, or I'm cooking and making either salads or pilafs or something like that with the either the whole grain or the pearl grain and I'll, I'll tell people how how i cook with the sorghum where they can get it we'll talk about the nutritional benefits and then we'll um i'll demonstrate how to make the recipe and then we'll have samples and, and recipes to share with everyone
4: it'll be great to have you back out here next weekend the way the cookies went over so well tell us how that transfers over into just the diversity of using sorghum even to cook with
5: well, absolutely. and And I think there's a lot of people that don't understand exactly how diverse and how versatile the sorghum plant is, uh, because in in the sorghum world, you have sweet sorghums and uh, from which they extract the juices in the stem of the plant and that gets boiled down and is made into a sorghum syrup. Some of the recipes that I will be demonstrating at the fair, I'm going to actually use sorghum syrup as a sweetener. Then you have the grain sorghum and the the food sorghum hybrids are the tan plant sorghums, and they can be ground into flour. They can be, you can eat the whole grain. It can, and they also have a pearled grain where the outer seed coat is taken off. It can be popped, and I just learned the other day that they now also have uh, like crispy flakes. It's kind of like a rice crispy type thing. Uh, so you've got a whole bunch of different things on that side of the equation on the on the food sorghum. Then there's also the forage sorghums, which are an excellent uh, uh, material for uh, silage for 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 beef cattle, uh, and of course the residue, the field residue, makes uh, is wonderful grazing for for cattle. And now uh, I understand that they've got new what they call energy sorghums, and these are um, um, specifically for as a lignocellulose source for ethanol production. So talk about diversity. Everything from Syrup to ethanol and everything in between.
4: That's Barb Clement from the Nebraska Sorghum Board. See him this weekend at the Raising Nebraska Building at the Nebraska State Fair. I'm Joe Ganglish.
6: On our program today, we'll discuss the financial information you need about your farm with Tim Burhill, Ag Finance Advisor, Water Street Solutions. So, Tim, what does that information include?
7: Well, with everything the farm CEO is responsible for in the operation, we know that can be a real challenge at times to stay on top of it all. There's major demands that keep the farm running each day, and those can include things like directing employees and tasks, working with vendors and suppliers, and making sure that everything that needs to happen is getting done. And then, on top of it all, there's also the time and attention necessary to manage the business and the financial side of the farm, sometimes along everything else that the farm leader has to do or pay attention to this can end up going by the wayside or maybe it's just getting a little bit behind in bookkeeping that doesn't mean the financial health of your business is the same today as it was yesterday let alone since the beginning of the year you see when the farm leader has someone to help update the farms numbers regularly then they have the information to know where the farm is at right now and that can be especially helpful especially when there's rapidly changing weather and conditions like we've seen this growing season so far.
6: We're talking with Tim Burhill of Water Street Solutions. So how can updates help the producer?
7: Our farmer clients are telling us that it can make a big difference for them throughout the year as they're working to make any number of decisions for their farm operation. It can help give them the opportunity to notice patterns and trends and to anticipate potential problems or issues and address them, and maybe even address them before they arise. I'm talking about using forward-looking accrual projections, not just financial records from last year's taxes. If you're waiting until tax time before you get an updated look on how the farm is doing financially, you're already too late. You can't use any of that information in a very dynamic or proactive way to impact what's happening with the farm business that year. For the most part, You can only shrug your shoulders and just kind of hope to do a better job in those areas next year. That's essentially more of a backward-looking way to run the farm business, and especially if you're the type of farmer who's committed to constantly improving the farm and working to make it the best that it can be. Updated, forward-looking projections really become a powerful tool in your hands, one that can help you make your farm what you want it to be.
6: Well, Tim, what else do we need to know?
7: Well, when it comes to decision-making, especially the really big decisions for the farm, like whether to buy a piece of ground, well, that can be challenging. That's definitely how it can feel if you don't really know where your farm is at financially throughout the year. It's tough to know whether you're trending or whether you see how the day-to-day decisions you're making on the farm are impacting the business. It's never easy to make those major decisions but the right information and data can help you make that process a bit easier. In today's fast-paced, business-minded farm environment, having these numbers together for your operation can help you keep ahead of the game, getting better and better each year. So do you have updated forward-looking accrual projections for your farm operation? If not, you might get in touch with me or one of our other Water Street advisors just to talk about that.
6: You can do it by going to waterstreet.org or call Water Street Solutions, 866-249-2528. Our discussion today centered around the financial information you need about your farm with Tim Burhill, Ag Finance Advisor, Water Street Solutions.
0: you're listening to the midday program on the rural radio network and it's time to check sports we have Brandon Betts good afternoon Dirk
2: Husker fullback Luke McNitt of Kearney was named one of the captains for the Huskers this season McNitt actually started his collegiate career as a quarterback at the University of Nebraska Kearney before leaving the Lopers and walking on in Lincoln he says it's been quite a journey to
6: this point yeah I was actually talking about that with a few of my buddies a few days ago you know looking back you know, the way I got here is kind of unorthodox. Um, early early in that decision to go, you know, to do what I did, I might have changed it. But looking back, I definitely wouldn't change a thing. You know, the, the the way I got here and how it's all come together, I wouldn't definitely
2: wouldn't change a thing. Along with being named a captain, McNitt also earned a scholarship for his senior season this year. He will start for the Huskers on Saturday night in the season opener against Arkansas State. Also in college football, picking up a preseason ranking for the second time in four years, Kansas State is ranked 20th in the AP and 19th in the coaches poll. The Wildcats open the 2017 season against a ranked FCS opponent in number 15 Central Arkansas. Kickoff time is set for Saturday evening at 6.10 p.m. inside Bill Snyder Family Stadium in Manhattan. And the Kansas City Royals extended their scoreless streak to an AL-tying 43 innings last night, getting shut out for a fourth straight game in a 12-0 loss to the Tampa Bay Rays. The Royals have not scored a single run since the second inning of a 3-2 loss to Colorado last Thursday. Royals manager Ned Yost says it hasn't been for a lack of effort.
8: What our guys do so well is they go out, they play with energy, they play hard to the last out is made. Um, They give their very best effort, every single one of them, and at the end of the day, if we haven't scored in four days, I can still look at this group knowing that this group has been all in for four
2: games. They've played to the last out for four games. The Royals are just the second team in Major League Baseball history to get shut out while giving up 12 or more runs in consecutive games, and their 43-game scoreless streak ties them with another Missouri team, the 1913 St. Louis Browns. That was back in the dead ball era. Kansas City is scheduled to host Tampa Bay again this evening. But hey, it could be worse, looking on the bright side, The Royals opponent in the 2014 World Series, the San Francisco Giants, are 40 and a half games out of first place in the NL West. And the Houston Astros will quote-unquote host a three-game series against the Texas Rangers at Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg, Florida because of flooding in Houston caused by Hurricane Harvey. Both the Astros and the Rangers flew to Dallas after games in California on Sunday to await news of where the series would be held. They'll then head to the Rays' indoor stadium where the Astros will have home games far away from home, just like they did in the wake of Hurricane Ike in 2008 when they played two scheduled games in Milwaukee. Houston may also play their following series, a three-game set versus the Mets in St. Petersburg, beginning Friday. That's a look at sports. Stay tuned. More of Midday is straight ahead. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
8: Clear skies tonight, lows in the mid-50s. I'm Dave Schroeder. A North Platte man has been charged with attempted second-degree murder and arson following a disturbance and fire at a North Platte residence last evening. North Platte Police Department responded to a trailer home on a report of a disturbance and found the home on fire. Two residents, 58-year-old James Brown and a 54-year-old woman, were outside of the home. The woman had a cut on her forehead along with clothing that smelled of gasoline. She was transported to North Platte Hospital and later released with no serious injuries. The investigation determined that a verbal argument started inside of the home. Brown then reportedly went outside and returned with a gas can and began splashing gas on the victim and inside of the residence. The victim was able to eventually escape out the back door and ran to the neighbors for assistance. Soon after, the trailer started on fire. The trailer was heavily damaged from the fire and is considered a total loss. The National Hurricane Center says the heavy rain from Harvey is expected to worsen flooding in southwest, southeast Texas as well as southwest Louisiana. People who escaped rising floodwaters and pouring rain arrived at a Houston shelter by the busload and truckload even as the convention center exceeded its capacity. Here in Nebraska, Dick Dinsdale with the American Red Cross on how you can help.
6: There's a huge need for um, donations, of course, and for volunteers. The Red Cross has a number of people from our region uh, already on the ground. We've got about 43 volunteers who have deployed down to the area. Very difficult at this point to even get near some of uh, the disaster area where where help is most needed. The best way that uh, someone can help right now is by going to redcross.org and uh, looking for the button at the top of the page that says Donate.
8: The orphan grain train in Norfolk has sent a semi full of water pumps, hoses, hygiene supplies, and food from associated wholesale grocers to accessible areas in the Laredo area. A deputy in Kansas has killed a driver in Kansas after he tried to take another officer's gun. The Newton-Kansan reports that the man was killed Monday night near Mound Ridge after Newton police attempted to stop a vehicle with suspected ties to a car burglary. Police said that the driver fled on the interstate and became combative after tire puncturing devices were used to stop the vehicle. As the severe storm season continues, remember, the Weather Watch never sleeps. In the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder.
9: You know, the State Fair, it seems to get better and better each year, so I was really surprised to get here on a Tuesday morning and and terrific crowds out here. So, you know, uh, the soybean board has been a a staple of the State Fair, and especially since it got moved out here to Grand Island, and the... uh, the raising of the Raising Nebraska building. Uh, we have a permanent exhibit so it's kind of a year-round display that people can come in and, and take a look and learn about all the different aspects of Nebraska agriculture. And of course soybeans are a part of that. So we have some static displays and some different types of games that are interactive for the kids to uh, get in and, and learn a little bit about the facts of uh, soybean production in Nebraska. And there's even a, a mock house right there in, in the Raising Nebraska building. You can go through and Learn about all the different products that uh, use soybean oil or s- different soybean products uh, that are gone on to commercial uses uh, inside the house. You know, the, the foam of your uh, seat cushions or s- backing of carpet or all different kinds of things. Different lubricants, just a lot of different things that you can learn here about at the State Fair. It is
1: quite products, but when it comes to some of those other things that Nebraska Soybean Board is doing out there, um, you have a dialogue coming up on UNL campus. Why don't you tell us
9: a little about that? Yeah, sure. That's coming up uh, the week after Labor Day. So, uh, you know, part of the Soybean Board's job is to talk about education, whether that's uh, to consumers or producers, but this one's geared towards kind of the the general run-of-the-mill consumers so we're talking about uh gmos and and uh why we think they're a good thing but the way the food dialogue is going to be set up is it's going to be kind of a debate type of a of a setting so there's going to be someone that's pro and someone that is uh anti-gmo and they're going to discuss those pros and cons and and i'm sure at the end take some uh, questions from people at the in the audience so it's a perfect place to have it out on innovation campus we will draw a lot of students but along with that there will be dietitians and different types of advocacy groups that will all be invited to that
1: is this going to be a new opportunity have you guys participated in these type of things before hosted them before is this a first time for the soybean board
9: well it's the first time for the nebraska soybean board to have one in the state actually i think there was one in omaha a few years ago but it's one of the partner organizations that the soybean board works with it's it's actually put on by the US Farmers and Ranchers Alliance so uh we are the funder behind this project so they come into nebraska and they do, they do that project for us but uh we do a project every year with the US Farmers and Ranchers Alliance and uh, in the past we've uh we have uh paid and we've had the the movie farmland which was produced several years ago uh that is now in every nebraska public school and I believe every museum or uh, library in the state, at least for sure the public school libraries. So that's, uh, this is just the next step of a project that we're trying and, and they'll come to us again. You know, we have our board meeting coming up this uh, next week along with that uh, food dialogue. So they'll have a project that we'll choose from and, and we'll go ahead and, and have another exciting project for next year.
1: And with this exciting time, you mentioned that you have a board meeting coming up, elections just finished for the Nebraska Soybean Board. Some changes are coming there. So how did elections go and what are maybe some of those changes that members should expect to see?
9: Yeah, well, you know, we, we did just have our elections and uh, two of the three that were up for re-election uh, are going to return. That's Greg Anderson. He's the at-large and uh Daryl Obermeyer from down at Brownville, he was uh, reelected. And my spot actually I didn't run again. Uh I've served six years and it's my own personal reasons that I'm gonna go ahead and step away for a while. So uh they just had the election and they announced that Doug Sadoff from uh Trumbull is going to be our new representative and uh, look forward for to see good things from him. He's a smart, sharp guy and uh he's quite an advocate for agriculture.
1: And there's a lot of opportunities for Nebraska Soybean Board producers. Obviously, you're involved in trade. So uh, last question here, what are some of those upcoming things that the soybean is working on for trade?
9: Well, yeah we do we do a lot with trades, so we have a lot of trade missions, whether we're going there or we're hosting trade missions coming to us and right now is kind of the opportune time to show off what a good job we do at raising soybeans and co- de- delivering a, a quality product, so we're getting tours in from all over the world, and we're bringing them out to nebraska farms and and letting them good do look doing out.
1: And we are here live from the Nebraska State Fair. We've been talking with Ron Plavelka. He is with the Nebraska Soybean Board from Glenville, Nebraska, discussing some of the things that the Soybean Board is participating in. That's been the uh, Raising Nebraska displays here at the Nebraska State Fair. They have a food dialogue discussion coming up at Innovation Campus. We've also been talking about some of those trade activities they're involved in and again, elections that just finished up. So we're here live from the Nebraska State Fair. You can check us out in the Pinnacle Bank Expo Center right behind the Beef Pit so you can come out and say hi to us. I'm Jesse Harding, reporting live from Nebraska State Fair.
6: Looks like another day of uh, broad commodity sell-off. With us is Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. That could be said about at least the uh, cattle and hog futures, right?
10: Yes. Uh, Also, spills over into the grains too, to some extent. Uh, But yeah, another... uh, down down day I mean there's no other way to put it we reversed uh, what we saw yesterday in the cattle uh, uh, we had a nice uh, rally yesterday but uh, turned right around and went lower uh, today I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that there really isn't any bids to speak of out there cutouts uh, just slightly higher uh, uh, It with no enthusiasm Uh, in volume and or in price so that hasn't helped matters at all and uh, we just saw the market uh, slide throughout the day uh, finishing uh, uh, considerably lower a lot of triple digit losses uh, uh, both in the cattle and the feeder cattle in particular so uh, as far as the cattle complex uh, pretty uh, nasty day uh, over in the hogs, uh, just again, we're following cash and the cutouts, uh, both uh, lower, sharply lower, in the cutouts at noon. Um, so uh, despite the fact that we're uh, deeply discounted, doesn't doesn't seem to matter at this point. Uh, it looks like uh, ownership is not something uh, that people are desiring right now as far as uh, livestock is concerned.
6: Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. You can reach him at 800-328-0134. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network.
11: Good afternoon from the Nebraska, from the Nebraska State Fair. I'm Susan Littlefield. It is a very busy day once again, which is a good, good thing. thing. Joseph McDermott Just joining good us. Good uh, busy time, time for job. you guys. It's it's a, whole it's a whole year business. in it's planning gets over in 10 days, but days, day, number day, day number five, five and numbers, five five and numbers five and are looking pretty good.
12: Yeah, yeah. they are. We, we announced this morning um, that we're up about 5.5%. That's through yesterday, which is Monday, and that's roughly uh, 7,000 people. We had a huge day on Saturday. 62,000-plus 62, 62, plus people came to the grounds, and that's actually, and that's actually the second-largest second day, day that we've had since, we had the, move since the move to Grand, Grand Island. Island. Back, in Back in 12, I think 12, it was, we had 71,000. So 62,000 this past Saturday. Uh, I, I won't deny it taxed the grounds a little bit, but um, things things went well. Well,
11: I have to, I have to publicly I have to, thank the folks that you have working, you have behind, the working the scenes, behind the scenes, the folks, the the scene. are, the folks that are, are, are taking care of the, the trash, they're taking care of the bathrooms. You have so got probably one of, point point best one of the best, best staff, staff in that, staff that, from that regard from all the state fairs I've, I've seen across the Midwest. I mean, I mean Midwest. everything I mean, is just everything always is so immaculate so clean. So
12: so yeah, and, and quite honestly, I hear that a lot, and I love it. We do have a great staff. Um, you know, when you consider that there are uh, 360,000 people that attend the fair. Um, it, they do a great job of keeping it clean. And that's important. Uh, you know, People want to come to the grounds. They want to see a, 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 a clean ground. Something that's well taken care of. So um, I appreciate the comments.
11: And your entertainment too that you guys have. Really, again, top notch.
12: Yeah, we had um, Brad Paisley and Pentatonics over the weekend. We start again tomorrow uh, with Ronnie Millsap. And he is going to sell out. We just have a few tickets left. Um, And then on Thursday, we have King and Country, uh, which is a Christian Group. Uh, Friday is Leonard Skinner, the 70s, 80s rock band. Um, Again, 70s, 80s Joan Jett and the Blackhearts is on Saturday. And then Sunday, uh, the last concert of the Nebraska State Fair, we got Cole Swindell.
11: So just a really, I mean, you're you're hitting every type of palette when it comes to music.
12: And, And we do try to do that. I mean we're we're looking to bring um, obviously, as many people as we can uh, to the fair, and so we look for different acts, different activities, different exhibits that appeal to uh, a wide range of, of people. Now, tomorrow yeah. is? tomorrow's is Older Nebraskan's Day. I didn't want to say yeah. Senior Citizens Day. No. Older, Nebraska older Nebraskan's Day. and that's, that's why uh, Ronnie milsup is, is going to sell out. A lot, of, a lot of people are interested in seeing him.
11: And I think you had something to do, had to do with the too, with because weather, too, because
12: weather for this, weather this year's state fair has, has been just been amazing. amazing. Yeah, I wish I have that kind of power quite honestly <laughs> but no you're right i mean we had we had a storm roll through saturday night did a little bit of damage to some tents but temperature wise um it's been wonderful low or low 80s uh, mid 80s and it's supposed to finish that way uh through next monday
11: well, wonderful. If folks want to know more information, you guys have a,
12: a easy website to use at statefair.org. We do, statefair.org. And as a matter of fact, I would encourage people, there's actually a tool there that you can use called Create Your Day. Uh, simply choose the day that you're going to be attending the fair. And on the screen, all the events that take place on that day will pop up. You can sim- simply put a check mark next to the ones that you want to see print out your own schedule and bring it to the fair with you.
11: Well, wonderful. Thank you so much. Joseph McDermott joins us here at the Nebraska State Fair. Again, if you want more details, encourage you to go check it out at statefair.org. Get your entire rest of the week planned here at the fair. From the Nebraska State Fair, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network.
6: Dewey nelson on the world radio network as we bring in john payne senior marketing analyst with daniel's ag marketing in chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in grain time for an assessment on today's trade john
13: well kind of somewhere in the uh, the corn and soybean side where, where we're just uh, say bleeding lower is, is uh... i guess the way i look at it just kind of a drip every couple of days we're seeing this thing five cents lower and it doesn't feel like it's really moving that way because it's so slow I think we've got another two days of this, and then uh, rubber meets the road time. So a little bit of good price action in the, in the wheat that uh, I like to see into a uh, really negative day. Um, so I'm optimistic here. I, I think uh, you know wouldn't be shocked to see uh, September corn dip its head into the 320s on some big sharp move lower, but uh, I think a lot of the negativity is priced in here looking at the way the spreads are.
6: And you talked about wheat gaining a little bit of ground for Chicago and Kansas City. Was that from commercial buying late in the session?
13: I, it's interesting to see who would be owning this thing. I, I have a hard time thinking that Minneapolis is going to go down much lower. You know, the, for the same reasons that corn is selling off, first notice day, and I, I can't reiterate how important it is to know about these things folks tend to have to sell they're being forced to sell because of storage costs because of just the desire to not want to ship corn before the harvest they're selling for reasons that don't involve price Uh, on the other side of it minneapolis wheat we'll see who has it here uh, as we go into the delivery. If, if there's a lot available or as much as the USDA says there are, we should see uh, delivery sold. If, if it's bought, I think it's a good clue to the market that there is a lot of folks interested in delivering September wheat, 20 under the, the December contract and my opinion, I think there's some upside there. So if, you, if you're a wheat trader, you know, look at the high-protein stuff. I think Kansas City's going to come back on Chicago here in the, in the next couple of weeks. And uh, get yourself to, to set up to sell on rallies. That was the play that had, that worked a year ago. You know, December trades back up to 450 again. Then, then you're in a good position to sell it. I, I would not be short in wheat here uh, going into this delivery. I think there's, there's a lot of risk to the upside as far as who wants the physical.
6: Will the trade be interested in Canadian production estimates that are, I think are coming out this week?
13: Yeah, I think it'll be again for that that high protein wheat. You know, we've been reliant on on brand supplies and Canada might not have what we need to uh to kind of St- stead the deficit flow that if, if we're going to see in place here. Uh, once we start talking abandonment, that won't come around until the end of uh, I think the end of end of December. Even maybe by the time we figure out kind of what those acres look like. But um, again, this is these next two days will give you a real clue about who wants corn and who wants wheat. I think I think there's going to be some some demand that comes in. So I, I'd be looking to buy breaks, get out of those hedges if you're in them. Next two days might be a good opportunity.
6: Thanks, John. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com for more information. With us was John Payne of Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago.